Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold. I'm joined with Ernest Watts, and we are the original two. You've heard of the original eight in NHL hockey, but we're the original two of this podcast. And Pardon the Confusion has been around almost three years. Ernest, where has the time gone? Uh, down the road, chronologically going. You could have gone with the early years. Pardon the Confusion, the early years. Or like the, were the Wonder Years or the, TV show? Or the, early or, the, or the geriatric version <laughs> or the AARP version. The Golden Boys instead of the Golden or, Girls. Or Bald Off and what's the two guys in the Muppets sitting in that balcony? Oh boy, that's, Stanford. That, that's going too far. Okay, all right. That's a show too far. The but, beginning. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Run that by me again. How long have we been doing this? Uh, three years. Three years? Boy, just like sixth grade. Nice. <laughs> you keep repeating, huh? Yes. No, really, I did not. I was always the youngest in my class. It would be curious to ask some of our co-hosts that we have on the show if they were young for their school age or if they were held back so they could dominate their school age. My son has always regretted that because he was big for his size, his age, we put him in, even though he had a July birthday, he was in with everybody practically older than him. And he says, Dad, if you'd held me back, I could have dominated in sports. Uh, Actually, that is correct. There was a study done, if you're very familiar with the, the, the uh, I hate to tout another podcast, but they've done several books, the Freakonomics Group. And they did a study to see uh, which was the key to your kid being athletically proficient. So they took the top 10% of athletes in all sports in high schools, and they looked at their entry date in the school. And all of them, I think the percentage was 83% of those <laughs> were the oldest ones, the oldest 25 percentile in their class. So even though we're talking like a, at most 11-month uh, advantage physically, but when you're talking about high school, I mean, the difference physically between a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old, and in some states, like down here in South Carolina, 19-year-olds can compete in high school athletes. They failed two grades. Uh, North Carolina's a little different. You can't be 19 years old and um, compete in high school athletics. So David is essentially right. Don't tell him this. He's going to hold back his daughters, hoping they're going to be oh. soccer stars now. Thanks, Well, they've done, well there have been several professional athletes that parents did that, held them back in school so they could physically mature to get college scholarships. I mean, I hate this. I've seen this my entire life. Parents manipulate kids with the idea of getting college scholarships. And now with, with the mass of financial aid, college loans, I mean, it's not really, you don't really have to do that in that respect. The worst is basketball because the fool's gold because essentially even, even your, your division one college teams only offer 13 half scholarships for a 25 man roster. Uh, I mean, if you're gonna, if you want your kid to get a scholarship, put a football in their hand. I mean, statistically speaking, Division One schools put out 120 scholarships for a team. Yeah. So numerically, that's it. Basketball, 12 to 15. Soccer, at best, that's half scholarships. Also, track and field are half scholarships. Also. Well, one. But yeah, I've seen. David's not too far off. This uh, is. 
All yeah, right. other parents are doing it. I'm yeah, sorry. We're going to have to edit this part out here. No, no, okay, it's fine. Sorry, sorry. No, no. But David was always taller than the other kids until he got into 10th grade, and all of a sudden they went past him. But talking about scholarships and sports, this is a long transition here. I went to Western Michigan University, and I lived on a floor with a bunch of scholarship athletes, but they were not hockey. Excuse me. They were hockey. Here I am messing up already. Uh, a lot of hockey players were on that um, – and Glenn Healy was one of them. He lived across the hall from me, and he played a long career with the Islanders. And uh, he was Canadian and uh, good guy. So, hockey. Let's talk NHL playoffs. Ernest, I was a, maybe I shouldn't be amazed by now, but the intensity is like somebody threw a switch, and every team decided to be 50% more physical and play like it's the last game of the Stanley Cup Finals. Islanders and the Penguins were amazing. We expected the Lightning and the Panthers to be good. The Wild and the Golden Knights, I didn't see that coming. The Wild won down in Las Vegas. It was a tremendous first couple games, including your Carolina Hurricanes. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for the uh, shout-out. You know that the officials leave the whistles in the back pocket in the playoffs. And, you know, the amazing part to me is they're able to manifest this after playing a very compressed 56-game season. And remember, the season didn't start till middle of January. And there was a compress where they were playing back-to-backs, almost like a baseball schedule in the same location. They're able to flip the switch is, is really, truly... And again, you know, this is part of the playoffs. Now, there's an anomaly to all this, is the way the playoffs are structured. They're in divisions, the four divisions, till the winner comes out, and then those top fours play each other. The other anomaly is the Canadian or the Northern Division. They're not going to start their playoffs until sun Saturday because uh, the COVID situation with the Canucks, who are already out, because you had two great games on Sunday. You had the, the Florida-Tampa Bay game. You had the Golden Knights game and turn around, then you had a regular season game, which went into overtime, which was a 7-8 game, a regular season game to top all that off. So it's, I'm not amazed at this. I mean, they're, this playoff, they're getting to play at home. Certain teams are getting more and more exposure. I know, like, with the Predators, Hurricanes, uh, the Predators, all restrictions are lifted. They'll have a full stadium. And as of June 1st in North Carolina, there'll be no restrictions. It'll be full then. They're at 50% capacity. But I think that I, I don't, I wonder how much playing in front of live fans in the playoffs has kind of juiced it up quite a bit. Yeah, plus playing against an opponent you're really familiar with, right? I mean, they played oh, yeah, a lot during the season, so they're sort of chippy with each other. I mean, the Capitals against the Bruins, I watched them during the regular season, and every game was a war. And the players are good, but Marshand is a punk. I can't stand that dude. <laughs> like just a then bunch he, then of, he wins his game, overtime. Though. Then uh. he wins game two in overtime. The real story of that is Anderson coming in to play goalie. It, he's going to be 40 years old in a week or so. And this is a guy who was a, uh, an all-star when he was with the Senators. Bounced around to the Maple Leafs. And, and you remember now, when the season started, who the Capitals goalie was supposed to be. I do not know. Henry Lindquist. Lindquist. Rangers goalie. Yes. Yeah. 
Remember, he, he they found a heart condition. He had a cardiovascular problem beginning of the season. So he sat out the entire season. So they go with the number two goalie, and they sign Anderson at the last minute. He only plays four games. He comes in and is able to man the goalpost at overtime. They win game one, and Boston splits the series. In no other playoff situation in the big four sports does home ice, or we usually call it home field or home court, home ice means less than anything than in this sport. There really is no real advantage. I mean, of course, you get to set up face-offs. You get to substitute or determine. You determine the substitution schedule. Wait a but second. Really, the fans. The fans got to give you well, that. All the fans help. But, but look, statistically looking, I think the, the sport with the highest winning percentage in playoffs is NBA basketball. And then I believe it becomes, I think it's NFL football, and then it's baseball. And hockey has the lowest winning percentage in playoffs for home home teams. And again, it's it's because the physicality of this sport, it's just this and again it changes so much. I mean period to period momentum changes. It was brutal. The Panthers against Lightning, you texted me before game, there will be blood. And those teams I will drink your <laughs> It's a famous Daniel Day Lewis movie if you're not familiar with that. But what it, a year old movie, but yeah, go ahead. It was a great movie, really good. You know why you won the Academy Award for that. But the Panthers and Lightning were just brutal hitting each other and there was a lot of penalties and I saw some borderline just straight out fight during the whole time and it was chippy. Um that makes amazing hockey because they're skating extra hard. That's what I'm saying is hockey is able to turn it up a notch, I think, better than any other sport. And I think it's the condensed playing area. Because when you guys get these guys so fast, so big in uh, NHL typical skating area, it's just going to move back and forth, back and forth. And, man, they can really crunch it. And hockey players are known for not complaining or griping, but – when you see a hockey player going down after a big hit, you know something bad just happened. So can you think of any other sport that's close to that that just turns it up so much for the playoffs? Well, before we leave that, let me tell you a little bit about the Lightning. They haven't had Steven Stamkos play for the last two months. Nikita Kuchoff has not played the entire year. And to add two of the top 25 players for the playoffs – is a big advantage for the Lightning. Now, I don't know any other sport that has that momentum change so quick. I mean, it can be shift to shift. Uh, baseball's momentum is a lot slower. Football, usually a turnover, is a momentum change. Basketball, it, it still takes much longer than hockey. I mean, one shift, one lucky bounce of the puck, one little mistake by the goalie, momentum can change real fast. I mean, there was... The old thing is the most dangerous lead in hockey is a three-goal lead. Because <laughs> at the point where you think you're safe and players tend to let off the gas a little bit. But this is a, you know, you can't tank in hockey. You can tank in every other sport. But if you tank in hockey, you're going to get injured and you're going to get your players injured. I mean, it, you, you t- you're going to get your goalie hurt. I mean, that's this is it football. You can tank, you can run the ball, you can run out the clock. Basketball, you can send your bottom player and they'll put out the effort. 
right. baseball, you can send the last guy on the roster to pitch. You physically are taking people's health in the hands if you tank in hockey. So if you go through each one of these matchups, there's interesting things. And for the you know casual hockey fan, and we don't cover hockey a ton on this podcast, but there's interesting matchups. And if you know anything about hockey, you know about Sid the Kid. We should retire that. Uh, Sid Crosby for the Penguins. Um, Penguins are rated number one in their division, and yet the Islanders came in and did an incredible goal in overtime to beat them 4-3. So... Sid the Kid's got to be one of the top 10 hockey players of all time. Do you agree or not agree? Yeah. You know, the amazing statistic, and they were talking about it in that first game, he has never had an overtime winning goal, ever. Assist, though. I'm sure he's assisted. Yeah, he had, had an assist, but never a goal in overtime. I mean, that to me, that's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's top. He's top. There's no doubt about that. So I do you mean, expect you know, the Penguins to come back and win it? And get, it's a seven game, no, so usually the no. you don't think so? I like, huh? No, no, I like the uh, you know the Islanders. Barry Trotz is the the, the uh, coach. No, Islanders are physically more. That's an aging team with the Penguins in that respect. They're just they're aging. I don't think they. I mean, they've gone out in the first round. I think the first, last three years. No, I take the Islanders in that. So Easily. this is Ernest versus ESPN experts. ESPN experts, 16 of them, 10 out of the 16 said the Penguins are going to win. So you're going against the grain on that one. Yeah, I like the Islanders. All right, now, I we, like have the the Cap- I now we have the Capitals against the Bruins, which is, I already said, a brutal um, series. Um, you have them one game each, both games overtime already. Um, who are you going to go with for this series? Because of their goalie situation, you got to go with the Bruins. You know, they picked up Hall. I mean, I love Ovechkin. He got his one. He sets up there on the circle. That's his spot. That's his office that he operates from. Uh, again, the Capitals are an aging team. They went out in the first game seven last year to the Canes. Uh, you know, Bruins will do anything to win, and and they just have depth. They really, truly do. And Tuka Rosk has is, is been probably, you got know, to talk about him as his all-time top 10 goalie. I mean, really, over the last few years, he's got a Stanley Cup to himself. I mean, he's just just been that solid goalie for, for a period of time. I just The depth, i got to go with the Bruins. Well, you match up well I'll with the... Oh, I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> you match up well with the ESPN experts. 14 out of 16 said the Bruins. But I will say... I really enjoy watching the old guys for the Capitals. Ovechkin, Yoshi, uh, now Mantha's playing. He was a Detroit Red Wing over there. I like seeing Ovechkin just play. He's just an old Russian, not afraid to get in your face, to be super physical. He's sort of, sort of a freak of nature that he's played so long. Um, all right. Chara, too. They got Chara also. Uh, Chara is so tall, crazy. All right, next one, I know where you're going with this the Central Division, <laughs> the Hurricanes against the Predators. Your beloved Hurricanes are up, were up one game to zero because they won the first game 5-2. You want to guess what the ESPN experts said? Out of 16, how many said the Canes? Well, you know, I'm superstitious, and, and I really like the goalie for the Predators, Soros. Um, they're just a, they're an underrated team. I'm going to say, how many 16 experts? Yep. I'll say 10 said the Canes. 10 said the Canes. 10 mm-hmm. out of 16. 
You are wrong, Stanley Cup Breath. 16 out of 16, said the Hurricane. I wish I felt that good about it. I mean, it's, it's Stanley Cup playoffs. This, this, again, there, there are some injuries, but um, Jordan Stahl has, has really stepped forward. I mean, he came over the team when Eric Stahl was with the team. Eric, of course, led with Cam Ward, led the team to a Stanley Cup uh, victory back in 2006. And Jordan Stahl was never really heralded as much as his brother, who's now with the Canadiens. And uh, he's just a solid player. Uh, he's it's, we got a lot of youth on this team, Aho, and and uh, some of the other kids. And and he's been a great mentor to that team. Uh, Andrzejczyk is the rookie goaltender. He worries me. Because unless your name is Cam Ward or, or someone else, it's hard to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, or Bennington, who did that with St. Louis. Come on, Ernest, ago. just be a fan. Just say go it's, Kings. It's hard, hard. Just, so you're not going to jinx them. Go Kings. Go Kings. You want me to do it like Flair does it? No, I can't do it quite that Whoa, way. whoa. Woo. It's a Carolina Hurricane. Yeah. Go woo. Yes. Yeah, I can't do I it with be, the mic right now. I'd blow the, up the mic. I could be playing the theme song. They play the Scorpions rock you like a hurricane yeah. at the beginning of all the game. Nice. All right. The next matchup is Florida Panthers versus their Florida opponent, Tampa Bay Lightning. We've already said how great the Lightning are. They have, they're stacked in a lot of ways, getting people back at the right time. Fresh legs, fresh eyes. They won the first game 5-4. Um, so we don't. I'll just tell you that the ESPN experts have picked the Lightning to win. You want to guess how many out of 16 said they would? I'd say it's like 9 out of 16. I mean, even with the overall talent, Florida has played just a a great season. They dominated the the Lightning during the regular season. And they got three great goalies. You got a coach who's won two, no, three Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Florida's an up-and-coming team. Uh, they've got Huberdu is becoming me, a superstar. Francois Huberdu. Oh, God bless you. Okay, go ahead. That's, uh, he's the center for that team. They've, they're going to be a solid team for years to come. I mean, they've got a great foundation. I mean, everybody's going to be losing some star players due to the expansion draft in July for the Kraken. But I, I, I do like you know, whereas the Lightning are getting, I mean, this may be the last hurrah for them. Uh, you know, depending on how the, if they go back to the same divisions half next year, uh, Florida and, and Carolina's had a great rivalry this year. All right, there you go. Our next matchup is the Mighty Ducks versus their rival, the Hawks. In the Mighty Ducks, the Game Changer, the new movie on Disney Plus. Which one? Who do you think is going to win that game, Ernest? That series. <laughs> I was going to say, I knew that the Anaheim Ducks were in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, yeah, Emilio Estevez is back for another paycheck with the grandchildren of the guys who originally played the Mighty Ducks. Do you, do you think somehow, I wouldn't you pay to see Charlie Sheen in there somehow, just do a cameo, or Martin Sheen do a cameo in there? Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, yeah. after, we found out, after we found out this week that Michael Jordan's going to be in the new Space Jam movie, uh, it'd just be nice for a callback, Charlie Sheen or, or uh, 
Emilio Estevez Sr., as we know him, Martin Sheen. It'd be nice for a kid. Well, the Mighty Ducks was huge when it first came out, and it was which you know, one? The first one, the second one, the, the first one? one was huge. You know, because it was hockey, and these kids from California didn't know how to skate, and were they going to win it? And of course, you know, but it was fun you, too. Do you remember any of the performers? From the Wasn't Keenan the guy who's on Saturday Night Live now on that? I know not. I know Keenan Joshua Thompson? Jackson. He might have been. I know Joshua Jackson was, who went on to Fringe and oh, Dawson's right. Critic. Uh, he was one of them. But I don't. I don't. And I remember the uh, coach of the other team was the bad guy in Lethal Weapon Two, and also was in. Uh, he was also the bad guy in um, what's the the Jack Ryan uh, movie, the first one, uh, Red October. Um, he was the Russian premier in uh, Search for Red October. As if anybody who's listening to us remembers <laughs> that movie. That was five Jack Ryans ago. Wow. Right? They recast that movie, that role so many times, but but we digress. Yeah. No, I, hey, it's Disney. The Mighty Ducks will win. I hate the Anaheim drop. When Disney sold the team to Artie Marino, who owns the uh, Angels, I hated that they dropped the Mighty Ducks, and then they still trot out the logo for the throwback jersey. But I thought that was very singular. I mean, even like the name, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. I mean, I, I hated that when they changed the name just to the Ducks. And have just that web foot logo just doesn't do it for me. Kenan Thompson was in it. I thought he oh, was. Okay. Yeah. He is the longest-lasting individual ever to be on Saturday Night Live. Since 2003, he's been on Saturday Night Live. Before that, he was on Nickelodeon and all that. And then Keenan and Kel, hello. I know my kids' favorite show was back then. Yeah. And no, Kel did not die of a drug overdose. Kel is doing real well. He is raising his children. He is retired from show business. So kill that nasty little rumor that you heard of. Mikey did not die of eating the Life cereal. cereal. Yeah. And and Cal did not have a drug overdose. All right, back to Maple Leafs versus Canadians. A eh? Oh, first, first time since 72, which really blows my mind. Uh at Leafs. It'll probably be a sweep with the Leafs. Yeah, it's the Canadian for team. ESPN Neither, says Carey, 16. Probably and Carey Price is probably the best goalie right now. He's the best highest paid goalie. But uh yeah, I I I yeah, it's probably going to be sweet. Right. This Toronto team may may break. They, they may be the. You know, I think they'll be in the finals, and they may. I don't know if they're going to win it all, but Austin Matthews, who uh, Nate brags about all the time, being the only goalie, only hockey player ever from Arizona, is a true American star. And that, and unfortunately, is the problem with hockey is those great talents, but like uh, Mike Trout in baseball, no one knows about these guys. All right, Oilers versus the Jets. Oh, got to be the Oilers. Um, great talent in that respect. Connor McDavid yeah. is the greatest talent. Sorry, Chris. So who's Nathan better McKinnon in his prime, Connor McDavid or Sid Crosby, Sid the Kid? Because Connor McDavid is in the Canadian area and because pretty much hockey has been shut down from the media for the last two years, I would Connor McDavid has a chance. He's not there yet. He may wind up being a better. I think when ESPN, TNT get a hold of hockey next year, you're going to see more in the media, more publicity 
uh, the general public's going to know more about these players. All right. Right now, about equal. But eventually, I think Conor McDavid can be better. Rolling on, uh, Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. Avalanche won the first game, and the ESPN experts have the Avalanche winning it, the 15 out of 16 experts. Yeah, I've, if you go to six games, you'll be highly surprised. And McKinnon, Markar, uh, they're just great talent. I mean, they're, they're, they're your president's trophy winners. They have the most talent. Last year, their goalie got injured, and they got uh, eliminated by the Stars. Stars not in this year, so they don't have to worry about that. Um, problem is, to come out of the division, they're going to have to face the winner of your next grouping you're going to tell us about. That being probably the Knights. But go ahead. talk. Let's talk about Golden Knights. Well, one of the things that has been so key about this first set of games is how many overtimes we've had already. And and I think the teams are playing full out. I think they're just so hyped up to, you know, see a good game and to play a good game. Um, all right. So I, I think that's that's I think that's because the, the competitive the margin of victory is so finite. These teams are that good and that close. And plus the familiarity, because as we talked earlier, they've played each other eight times right. already I, this season. I picked Mark Fleury and the Golden Knights to win it all last week. And Fleury was awesome. He, he, he did a shutout during the regular game, and in the, but the wild goalie was even better. He had like 50 saves, and so there was an impossible... You know, there's no way he could have stopped the winning goal, the Flurry. But the Wild won the first game, one nothing down in Las Vegas. Which, you know, even though Gene Simmons of Kiss was, you know, ringing the bell or doing the uh, beginning siren, I guess they could kiss that loss goodbye. Uh, Golden Knights are expected to win 15 out of the 16 experts from ESPN. Yeah, the only thing about the Golden Knights is uh, offensively the talent. I mean, the Wild have some great young talent in that respect, but Pacioretty is is good. Mark Stone is good. Again, they don't have that real superstar. Marchant's pretty good. White Cloud's pretty good, but they don't have that. They don't have that McKinnon. They don't have that McDavid. They don't even have a stall. I mean, they just don't have that true superstar player. And Flurry's getting kind of up in age now that you know they got a pretty good backup goalie to him, and I kind of thought it was fifty-fifty that Flurry would start the series, but the Wild play firehouse nineteen-eighties hockey. Now a lot of our listeners weren't alive in nineteen-eighties, so Paul, they don't know what I mean. But in the nineteen-eighties, your average hockey score was seven-six, seven-five. I mean, it was much more offensive. Uh, that was before the left wing lock came into place by, I don't know, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, that was just the influence of European hockey. You know, it's just more freewheeling. And that's kind of how the Wild plays, even though they didn't score that much. But I still think, you're right, the Knights are going to come out of this with a victory. Right. And if they're playing this intense this soon, I think we're going to see more injuries before we get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Moving on to the NBA and talking about injuries, uh, most of the positions are already set for the playoffs. There's a few open areas still trying to determine who's going to play whom. But do you think the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA are going to be healthy enough to make a good run, Ernest? Uh, with the compact as the schedule is, I'm just not a believer on the Nets. 
I've been quietly, you know, all year, y'all. I've been talking about the the, the Sixers. They've got three point shooting. Uh, ben Simmons is probably going to get some votes for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, they're a solid team. Embiid, to me, is the true MVP. You know, a lot of people are going to say Harden. A lot of people are going to say Jokic. Uh, I think Embiid. I mean, he's kept his mouth shut. He's been off Twitter, and he's played a solid, solid series. Uh, I don't trust what Doc Rivers' coaching will do, but uh, again, the Nets haven't sold me. I just feel like defensively they got to tighten it up, and you don't know who's going to break down. You, you don't know who's going to get injured, and they're racing to get this done. It's going to be a compacted two-month playoff scr- scrum so they can get ready for the uh, Olympics. They want one week before the Olympics to get a team ready to play that, and that's the third week in if we have an Olympics, the third week in July. So it's going to be full yes, blast. Yes, we're going to have the Olympics. Ernest, come on. Grumpy Gus tonight, man. Well, I mean, Japan's not in the situation we're at. And if they have it, they're going to be no no one in the stands. So essentially you're going to have a staged, you know, you're going to have a made-for-TV event, which I don't really think was what the Olympics were created for. But... I digress. Yeah, I don't think the Nets can stay healthy. I, re- I really don't. There's some great matchups. You know, the the Knicks and the Hawks is is going to be a, a physical, physical. Nate McMillan, I know Monty Williams got coach of the year today. And he did a great job with Phoenix. He really did. But what Nate McMillan did was was truly amazing. And I talked a little bit about that last week. But I think this is going to be a great series because you've got a team with a lot of offensive weapons going against a team that shut down defense with the Knicks. I think Milwaukee still remembers getting eliminated by Miami last year. Miami is not healthy. Obadipo is, is gone for the year. Uh, I think that's going to be a great series. I don't think we're going to see Boston last very no, long. No Jalen Brown out for the season. I mean, they're running on fumes. I would not be entirely surprised to see that team uh, go through a complete revamp. I mean, they'll keep Tatum. They got to keep Kemba because no one will take that tr- that contract. Uh, when they traded Daniel Thies, who was probably their best center, uh, and they got Thompson from from Cleveland. But this team just has got a lot of parts that don't fit together and make a complete team. It's been a wreck for a team that was in three of the last five conference finals. They have fell apart. I mean, it's it's amazing to watch. Well, I noticed on TV and practically everywhere you turn, because sports gambling is legal everywhere, everybody's giving the points over, point under, and... You know, one team that has taken a drop in everybody's expectation is the Clippers. I mean, we once thought, oh, the Clippers could rival the Lakers, and they they disappeared last year. And Paul George doesn't seem like he has it. Um, Are we writing off the Clippers too quickly? Do they have a run in them? No. I mean, they just laid down and died because they're afraid to face the Lakers. They gave up a game on the last day just to avoid the Lakers. To me, that tells me you're scared of facing the Lakers. You're scared of facing a team whose record was significantly less than yours. A team that you won't have to leave the court to play. You'll be in your home court the entire series. 
I think there's some psychological problems there. Paul George is just not a winner. He can't finish. And you don't know about Khalil, uh, Leonard, if, if, how Leonard is physically in that respect. Beverly's breaking down. Uh, I would not be surprised to see the Clippers eliminated in the first round. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't. That, that team's just, that team has a better record than Boston, but I would think it'd be time to think about shaking that up. Yeah. I mean, if they can get something for Paul George and keep Leonard, uh, I'd advise them to do that. All right. Another qu- topic is Stephen Curry is just going off again, and some people are saying he's as good of offensive player this year as he's ever been. Where does Curry rank in your all-time NBA players? Ooh. Can I commit heresy here? <laughs> it won't be the first time. He's better than Kobe. Oh, 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 wow. You went there. Yeah. You think he's better than I Kobe? Mean, wow. Yeah, I think he's better than Kobe. I think he's a better yeah. shooter, but he doesn't have the explosiveness and the defensive shutdown that Kobe had. Kobe was average defensively. I mean, let's face it. Any conversation about Kobe is couched because of the tragedy in his life. And it truly is sad. He left a widow and he left children. Okay? But if we're having a basketball conversation, strictly basketball, Stephon Curry is a better player than Kobe. All right? Totally. In their prime, who would you take? Well, Curry was trying to carry the whole load at the Warriors and still, until he got some help. And once he got enough help, but he was always the man to go to. Um, I think what help a, does he have now? How many titles? No, what help does he have now? Not much. Not much. I mean, I mean, the second best player averages. Well, let's do titles. Kobe had how many titles? Uh, uh, I'm not, I don't really quite. Five or six? He had five. Yeah, and Curry. No, 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 no. Six, six is Michael territory. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Curry, Curry has four. Three, three I thought. Oh, three. Four. Okay. I'd have to look that. You might be right. It might be four. Well, I just think Curry's amazing for his height and the way he's able to shoot the three. I know sometimes I lament that all the kids want to shoot the three now. But it has brought people out from underneath the basket. It has made the game more fluid in a lot of ways. We have a lot of players that play several positions to make it happen. So I I think in 10 years from now, will we look back and say, boy, he was really that good? Yeah, I think he's done things that no one else has ever done before. Kobe essentially modeled his entire career over Michael Jordan. And, and and was a great player, top twenty player, top twenty player. Okay, and I'm not Kobe hating here, but uh, you know, and and people are going to say, well, he had Thompson and and other players with him. Curry did, but Curry changed the game. Well, he sort of modeled his game after got, his dad, though, in a way, right? Dell was a, I, now. Listen, I saw Dell play. <laughs> Dell very rarely started. Okay, but he hit Dell the three. Was not the shoot. Dell could not could not handle the ball like he could. Could did not throw assists. Uh, Dell was a gunner. Okay, he, he shot. He got the ball. He was shooting. All right, he was a better rebounder. But the game has changed because of Curry. I mean, post play is gone. 
is a perimeter game due to him more than anybody else. He has changed the game. And I'm not the biggest Stephon Curry fan, but I'm just telling you from that position, I consider him at the same age. Now, he could flop the rest of his life and not be the player. Kobe. Kobe's biggest success was the latter part of his career uh, when he won two championships with just himself, Paul Gasol. He didn't have Shaq, okay? Um, those first three championships he won with a top ten player on the court with him, okay? Uh, only one championship did Curry win with a borderline top ten player, Durant. Yeah. So, you know, again, at their position, at their ages right now, Curry is a better player. Now, how it finishes out, if he never sees another championship, then I'd have to give it to Kobe. It, it's hard It's hard to compare Kobe's 17-year career with Curry's 12-year career until they finish out. But at this age, when when Kobe had played 12 years and, and, and Curry has, Curry is a better ball player. Mm-hmm. And he has changed the sport significantly. Right. Right. Boy, we're we're gonna get the hate mail for this. Uh, I don't sorry think so. I don't I'm so. sorry. No, we're just talking basketball. You know, that's all we're doing. Um, so I don't. I rarely do this, folks. I rarely give up control. You know, hand the steering wheel over to Ernest. I usually try to guide <laughs> us in a semi reasonable, uh, discernible path. But you know, Ernest, I'm feeling very generous tonight. Ernest, I will hand the wheel over to you. What sport do you want to talk about next? Oh, wow. Can I tell you about an inspirational story? Can we do that? Yeah. I was going to save this to my last minute, but let's talk about Drew Robinson. Okay. And this is a remarkable story. And give you a little background. Drew Robinson was drafted by the Cardinals about uh, about eight years ago. Uh, Played a little bit for the Cardinals, got traded to Rangers. Pretty much the 25th man on 25-man roster. And during COVID, uh, he was uh, essentially could not secure even a minor league uh, contract. And uh, his fiance left him. And this is a young man who came up about the same time as uh, Bryce Harper, uh, essentially about two years younger than him. Grew up in the Las Vegas area. Part of that, you had um, Bryant from the Cubs and Bryce Harper and uh, Drew Robinson about the same time. Well, last year, about the same time, uh, the depression of not being able to secure a contract, feeling himself as a failure, um, the isolation due to COVID, um, he uh, wrote out a suicide note to his parents, feeling that he had failed at everything they ever touched. Because people don't realize the numbers with baseball. When you go to a... Uh, a uh, single-A or double-A game, at best, two of those guys on each team's roster will make it to the major leagues. Okay, Not stars, but will make it to the major leagues. So essentially, if you take the entire minor leagues, uh, basically looking at 5% making it to the major leagues. Not having a career, but at one time being on the roster. 
So all this drew on the young man. He pulled out a gun, put it on the side of his head, and pulled the trigger. And woke up, pool of blood, and essentially for the next 12 hours, argued with himself about putting one in his mouth. He had this massive hole in the side of his head where his uh, right eye used to be. And he realized the importance of life in that respect and worked very hard and went, signed the minor league contract with the New York Giants. And, and he's a left-handed batter. So if you know anything about baseball, or for that matter, if you've ever played softball, if you imagine by batting uh, left-handed without a right eye. Wow, it's crazy. I mean, you know, depth perception is one of the ways you can hit. He secured a contract, hit several home runs during spring training, and now starting in right field for the Sacramento River Cats, which is the AAA affiliate of the San Francisco Giants. And now he is a promoter understanding the issues of depression, mental illness, how pervasive it is. And with, with professional athletes and amateur athletes in college, for that matter, a large percentage of individuals are uh, the idea of, of mental health issues uh, are kind of ignored. Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers has addressed this many times about the depression he's gone through. Where exterior, he's been very successful. He won an NBA championship when LeBron was there. And he, he talks about the self-doubts. Uh, many people suffer from a condition called imposter syndrome. They're very successful people, but they feel like they're going to be found out at any time. They have so much lack of self-esteem and self-value that they live in constant fear of everything being taken away from them. And that's what Drew Robinson suffered from. That's what a lot of professional athletes who have been brave enough to come out and, and talk about that. Um, Zach Grinke, uh, pitches for the Astros, has discussed he has a social uh, anxiety disease in which it's almost impossible for him to go out and go on the mound and pitch. Now, this is a guy who's won a World Series, uh, who's pitched in three World Series, multiple Cy Young Award winner that us from the outside would consider that has everything, uh, all the success in the world. And I know there's a percentage of listeners right now that are going, boo-hoo, they've got all the money they want, they've got all the attention. But that's, that's not realistically. I mean, mental illness is not a character flaw. It uh, is not something It's biological. It's the brain does not produce certain hormones. And for Drew Robinson, who went through 12 hours by himself, after he shot himself in the head and was able to work himself through this problem to now be uh, a success. Uh, back in the 60s, there was a baseball player by the name of Jim Persall that made a movie about it, who suffered from schizophrenia and was able to become a Golden Glove baseball player for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and we tend to forget, and I'm including high school athletes, and college athletes, these are human beings who go through the same worries, concerns, anxieties, doubts that all of us go through. And Drew Robinson should be applauded. 
he may never make it um, to McCovey's Cove and play for the Giants. But I think the idea that he has picked himself up and, and, and been an advocate for not just athletes, but all those who, who suffer from the problems of mental illness, I think is something that needs to be identified and understood. And those who could be listening, who know of somebody who have issues like this or, or may of themselves suffer from it, there is professional help. I mean, the best thing is to say, reach out and talk to somebody. Yeah, the um, CDC reports that 11% of American adults surveyed in last June considered suicide. That means one out of 10 people have thought about suicide doing it. Um, but from 18-year-olds to 24-year-olds, 26% of that age group has considered suicide in their life. Um, with the whole pandemic and the way things have been changed, there's been several high school athletes in Michigan where I live who have taken their lives because they put everything into that one nest egg, that idea I'm going to be, you know, have a senior great season, my senior year in sports, I'm going to get the scholarship and it doesn't happen. Um, and then also where I work with senior adults, the level of depression is way up. Uh, and then with healthcare workers as well, because they started out strong, everybody thought they were heroes. And now they're just limping along because they've kept this up for so long that they're leaving the profession. So there's so much of this all around because I think uh, anytime there's something out of your control and it ruins your plans, you can get into a dark place. When I was growing up, you never talked about publicly that I'm going to a psychologist or I'm going to a counselor. And for me as a Christian and I was a pastor, you know, that you didn't hear pastors saying, oh, I need to go get counseling because I'm depressed. And just recently, uh, one of the m most well-known pastors in America, Craig Groeschel, who pastors Life Church in Oklahoma and has over 100,000 people watching him on the weekends, said that he got to a place of depression where he had an intervention and he had to take time off and, and just go to see a counselor and change some of his patterns. So hopefully the stigma is starting to go away and saying, if you need help, you need help. And some of it's hereditary. It's biological. You know, you can see it through family trees. And when we get to a place where we don't know what to do or things are too crazy, we do need to reach out. I've seen a counselor over the last 10 years off and on just to help me work through some things. It's like Tiger Woods and any golfer needs a golf coach because they can't see for themselves what they're going through, right? They can't see their swing. And so counselors are so helpful because they can hear what you're saying and objectively say, oh, did you realize you're saying this or you're feeling that or I'll walk you through it. Um, so I think Ernest is a great way to put this into the podcast and just encourage people out there. If you're going through a dark time and you think there's no hope, there's no way out, uh, just pick up that phone, uh, call somebody, get outside and do something, uh, and you'll be surprised how much people really do care and will help you walk through it. And when I first heard about the story, I just thought, I can't hit a curveball to save my life. And here's this guy with one eye making a difference and still, you know, playing sports. And um, so I think all of us probably know someone who's depressed or, or has problems with it. So I think we can be the encouragers to get them some help. Yeah, I know a lot of people probably listening right now and telling us to stay in our wheelhouse and talk sports. But but Robinson's story is, is one of success. I mean, he overcome this. He has overcome a physical ailment. And, and 
like many other athletes, some of the ones we've talked about, they have all been courageous enough to talk about it and be able to view that. And if, if anything you want to take out of what we've talked about tonight is if, if you have these problems, find someone to talk to. I mean, you know, it doesn't, there's someone who can counsel you and talk to you, but speak these things. We all go through self doubts. We all go in dark places and that doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. It means you're human. Yeah, it definitely does. So, well, Ernest, let's wrap it up with this podcast with something we're looking forward to this weekend or what sports. I know you're going to talk about golf, right? You're looking forward to golf? <laughs> well, you know, it's just down the street from me. PGA you Championship. Know, I, yeah, well, I was just down the road. I'm very familiar with that area. Well, you know, I'm going to watch the Spring League. I love football. Uh, NBA, NHL playoffs. You got the Spring League football. How'd you enjoy that FCS? Did you watch the FCS football championship game? Yeah, not Sunday? not that good if you ask me. It was a thrilling game. Well, no, you know, you had a two-hour no. rain delay. No, no. That was a little hard. But it wasn't hey, the quality that you're used any to Any football, any football. Oh, no, watch no, hockey instead of that. Watch hockey, watch the NBA, uh, baseball. I mean, we're going to have that for a while, but we're, we're getting in the stretch. Now, enjoy this because in, uh, we, we're going to have – we're at the top of it because we've got the playoffs and two sports starting. Uh, baseball is going to get in the heart streak. And we get July, we're going to have for two weeks. Paul says we're going to have the Olympics. I wish I was that uh, we're having the Olympics. sure of Think it. Positive, and, and by the time the Olympics finish, guess what time it is? Football. That's College right. Football. Canadian, Canadian football <laughs> league season. <laughs> and the NFL training camps. So we, we're, we're at the top of the hill. It's going to get real fast, real quick with the playoffs. But uh, sit back and enjoy it. We got it's exciting to look forward to these things. It sure is. All right. Well, this has been another podcast. We've hopefully encouraged you and entertained you. And we'll be back next week. You can always listen to us on SportsCountry.net. That's where we have most of our listeners. But you can also download this podcast uh, on iTunes or other. Um, sources so that's a good way to listen on your way home or in different ways and then uh, spotify spotify another one we do is boys of summer at least i do one on baseball with gene gums and eric braun so that's a little self-promotion and we're doing it every other week lots to talk about in baseball right now so for ernest watts this is paul arnold and have a good night